I've asked you to turn to 2 Timothy. And you know, um, we've been very blessed as a church. And I love being the pastor of this church. You guys are an awesome congregation. But we've seen God continue to grow our church over the last many years. It was just a couple of years ago. We were in two services. And then we went to two auditoriums and two services. And then we went to three auditor- or, uh, three services and two auditoriums. And continuously, and I can't always share the stories, but we hear the stories of lives that are being changed through this church and what God is doing. Marriages restored, families put back together, people, people letting go of some addictions that have been destroying their lives. And, and so we see that. And, and uh, I see God doing something in this church that's very exciting, especially when you look statistically as to what's going around in our country. Statistically, right now in our country, 70% of the children who grow up in church will stop going to church in their early 20s, 70%. And uh, not only that, it, it, that 2 million people every year in our country stop going to church. Church attendance goes down in our country by 2 million people every year. We've been blessed to be a church that's growing, but, but this isn't happening everywhere. In eight years, we've gone from a nation where 78% of the population claims to be Christian uh, down to a nation where only 70% of the population claims to be Christian. So God's really doing something neat and unique in this church. And what I love, I don't know if you saw, but in Dion and Rachel's video that they shared today, I remember 20 years ago when they first started coming to the church and um, uh, when they began serving in children's ministry. But did you hear them say that the children that they were ministering to in children's ministry, now 20 years later, they're dropping their children off to those same children and those children have grown up in this church, and instead of walking away from church, you're now dropping your children off to them, and they're investing in the lives of your children. That makes my, not my day, that makes my life. I love that, that that's taking place in this church. And one of the things that Rachel said, and I didn't plan this in any way, but she said, what an incredible legacy. And uh, at the same time, I was thinking about what to talk about today, and I was talking, uh, thinking of legacy that we leave behind. And today's going to be kind of like a devotional, not so much an expositional teaching. We typically take a, a book of the Bible and we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through. Today's more of a devotional, because kind of something a little bit different. But I want to talk today about leaving that godly legacy. And, and as we talk about this, here's what you need to know. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm just like everybody else trying to figure it out. And with a number of kids just trying to get through the day sometimes. But, uh, but I, I, I've come to realize that as a parent, I'm going to leave a legacy. That's an, an imprinting on my, my children. As a church, we're going to leave an imprinting on our community. And just, just as individuals, there's a legacy that we're leaving in the lives of other people. So I wanted to take today and look at somebody who I think got it right, make some observations, maybe some suggestions, and then allow the Lord just to kind of share what he would want to share with us. I'm not going to overdevelop this, but there in your outline, there is a, a passage, Paul's on a missionary journey, and it says that he came to Derby and then to Lystra. And I've underlined that word Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived. 
So we're going to talk about Timothy today, whose mother was a Jewess. She was born Jewish and a believer. At some point becomes a believer, a Christian. But whose father was a Greek, and the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. So let me just give some perspective here, if I can, by putting the map up. If you go all the way to the right-hand side and you go down, you'll see Jerusalem, which is in the southern part of Israel. You go up out of that, you go up into Turkey, southern Turkey, you see this town called Lystra. And back then they called it Asia, we call it Turkey today. Now the reason that's important is that where Paul meets this Timothy is is going to be in a completely non-Jewish area, it's completely out of Israel. When Paul meets Timothy, as we've just read, he's already a disciple. He's a full-on committed follower of Jesus. There's a few things that we know about Timothy. One of the things that we know about him is that he's biracial. Now, in our country, that's not a big deal. But if you were to go back in our country 70 years ago, it would have been a very big deal. And in Timothy's time, it was a very big deal. You see, Timothy would be half Jewish, and, uh, but he would not be accepted by the Jewish community. And we're going to find out what the reason he would not be accepted by the Jewish community is that Timothy had not had a certain operation, a surgery as a baby, that they held in high value that you had to have in order to go and hang out with the Jewish people. You guys know what it is, right? So I don't have to spell it out. So, so, uh, but then on the other hand, we're going to find that he's... Uh, because he's half Jewish, he would not be accepted in the Greek culture because Greeks believed in many gods, not just one God, and certainly not the God of the Bible. So uh, in their minds, he wouldn't be one of them, a Greek, he'd be a Jewish kid. So he never really fit in in any of those environments. And there's a lot more that we could say about him, but just suffice to say, he, he wouldn't really fit in either of the two environments. So how is it that we find him uh, being a disciple when he meets Paul? Well, Paul is going to write a letter to Timothy. This letter is going to be written in about 66 AD. This letter is going to be written many hold a few weeks or a few days before Paul is killed in a Roman prison for, for his faith. And so I'm going to pick it up in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read, highlight a couple of things, and we'll move through. So it begins by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son. And uh, Paul had really become like a father to Timothy. And we're going to find that Timothy's father, although we know he's a Greek, he's never part of the story. Grace and mercy and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I might be filled with joy. For I am mindful, and you want to underline this, of the sincere faith within you. Here's how he got it. Which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I'm sure that it's in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So here's Timothy, and it talks about who was investing in him at an early age. If you skip over to chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul's going to continue talking about Timothy's childhood. And he says in verse 14, he says, 
You, however, continue. And uh, I've underlined the word continue. Continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. And what we're going to find is Timothy learned something. It's affected his life, but he didn't learn it from Paul. Going on, it says, and that from childhood. And I've underlined childhood. How many of your Bibles say infancy? That's actually the better translation. Infancy is a better translation. You have known the sacred writings. How many of your Bibles say scriptures? Good, that's actually a better translation. Which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. So I look at Timothy and I see that he's a disciple. And so the question that I have, are there some things that we can look at in his life or maybe in the lives of those who invested in him? And as we evaluate coming to the end of this year, ask ourselves, is this something I want to uh, emphasize in the coming year? How am I doing in these things? How would I apply these things? So what was, the, uh, what was the legacy left in Timothy? I'm going to share just a couple of things, again, not to expound too much, but um, the first thing that we notice about Timothy is that he had a desire to follow Jesus. That's something that was given to him. You want to write that down. In chapter 1 of this, Paul said, the sincere faith within you. And he says, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Now, um, just for fun, I find words interesting. And um, so it's interesting to me that the word mother there in the Greek is the word mater, mater. And uh, so that word mater ultimately goes into Latin, then it goes into the old German. And by the time it comes into the English language, we say mother. And uh, so that's where that comes from. Now, that's not going to change your life, but do you at least find that interesting? So here's what I find so interesting, which again is not going to change your life. But um, do you notice the word there for grandmother is mammy, but actually it's spelled mame, mame, which I, I find interesting because uh, the first church that I worked at was in Ohio, and in Ohio, everybody called their grandmother mamma. How many of you ever heard a grandmother called mamma? Okay. And you go, where in the world does that, who, where does mamma come from? Well, it's from right here. It's actually from the, the Greek language. And again, that doesn't change your life, but it is interesting, at least to me, at least to me. So what we find is that there is a sincere faith that dwelt in them, and that was passed on. Now, you know, here, here's what I've learned in life, and here's what we see in this, that passion is always passed on. Um, I have never had a passion for sports in the sense that I've never watched a football game. Um, I don't know anything about football. I don't know anything about basketball. I don't know anything about baseball. Uh, people ask me every year who it is I think is going to win the Super Bowl. I always say I think the Mets are going to take it because I don't know. Now, but there, there are some people, um, and the reason that I don't have a passion, it's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. 
But the reason I don't have a passion for it is I wasn't raised with it. I mean, we didn't watch football in our house. Uh, we, we just, we didn't do that. And, and not that, it, again, it's not that it's wrong, but what I notice is that when people are passionate about sports, their children tend to be passionate about sports. It's a passion that's passed on. But in a family where they're not passionate about it, that passion, you know, obviously is not passed on. So what I've learned in life is that what is popular with me is going to be popular with my kids. What I'm passionate about is going to be something that my kids are going to be passionate about. And in a a world where 70% of our children, by the time they are 20, in their early 20s, are going to be walking away from faith, it tells me something. Whereas Timothy is passionate about his faith, there was a passion that was passed on. And so I, I realize that if my kids are going to be passionate, have a sincere desire to follow Jesus, that passion needs to come through me, from me. But I've also learned something else, is that I can't manufacture passion for Jesus. You can't manufacture it. A lack of passion for following Jesus is usually a manifestation of a true spiritual condition. Because when you meet him and you know him, there is a passion. There's a desire. This passion was passed on in the life of Timothy. James Dobson says that values are not taught, they're caught. And Timothy caught something in a very early age from his parents. So I want to ask myself, and if I were to say, you know, I, I don't have a passion for following Jesus. And what we find is uh, many times somebody will say, well, I took my kids to church and only to find out that that didn't really cut it because that's not a passion. So I would ask myself if I were, if, if I were evaluating and I didn't really have a passion, but I want my kids to have a passion, I, I would begin to pray, God, give me a passion for you. Give me a passion for the things of you because I see in Timothy's life, it was passed on. Part of the legacy that we see left in Timothy, and I want to leave in my kids, is there's a reverence for the word of God. There's a reverence for the word of God. Interesting, Paul says in 2 Timothy, he says, you know those from whom you learned it. And uh, there was somebody speaking into Timothy's life, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. So what we find is that it was, it was mom and it was grandma just talking about the scriptures, telling him the stories over and over. And what I love about this little passage is that Paul conveys that he believes that a mom sharing the stories of the Bible, a grandmother who tells the stories of the Bible can, can, can impart that into the lives of of these little ones. You see, you and I live in a time period where sadly, if we're not careful, we think that, well, the the youth pastor is supposed to give that, that the pastor is supposed to get that. But what we find here is long before Paul met Timothy, there was a mom and a grandma who were telling the stories of the Bible. And those little stories were taking root in the life of little Timothy at that time. Back in the Old Testament, it would say it like this. It says, these words which I've commanded you today shall be in your heart, as you have a passion. Uh, 
and you shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. The way that our kids have a reverence for the word of God is that we reverence it. We talk about it. We tell the stories. We share the things that the Lord is showing us. I, um, I have a story that, that I've told many times before. Um, back in, I guess it's been about 18, 17 years ago, in our family, uh, when Daniel was a baby, he's 19 now, but every day he would get up and he'd come out of his room and he'd walk in to see dad sitting there with the Bible open, large cup of coffee and my notepad and pen. And it was every day, every day, every day. And so one day I had to go to a meeting and so I wasn't there on this particular morning. And so Cheryl told me that when Daniel got up that morning, he goes out and dad's not sitting there with his Bible open. And so Daniel thinks that there's something wrong because dad's always there with the Bible. So he goes back into his room and he gets a, a book and he comes out and he holds it up to mommy and he goes, mommy, daddy, daddy. And he's holding up the book. And w- what had happened as she explained to me, he had linked up in his mind that when dad's not there with the book, something must be wrong because dad's always there with the book. And I want to be careful. We need to be careful, especially as dads, that we don't want to link up in our children's mind that the day that they see us with the book, that they say something must be wrong because dad's never there with the book. We want to link up in our children's mind that the day that we don't see dad there with the book, something must be wrong because dad's always there with the book. It's important for our kids to see us reverencing this book. We talk about it. We're in the book. And that passion carries on. I reverence God's word when I do what it says because those little eyes and ears are watching all the time. But I want to leave that legacy. That's an important legacy. Another thing that I see in Timothy's life that was passed on and we want to pass on to our children is that there was a faith that conquers the trials of life. Faith that conquers the trials of life. You know, I I want that for my kids. When you look at Timothy, uh, Timothy was with Paul through his missionary journeys. He was there when Paul was arrested. He was there when Paul was thrown into prison. He was there when Paul was shipwrecked. He had a faith that was unwavering in the good times and in the difficult times. And it's interesting that here Paul, as Paul writes to him, Paul says, you must continue there on your outline in the things which you have learned. And Paul's going to talk specifically about the word of God and its importance. But Paul says, Timothy, you have to continue. Now, the reason that Paul is telling Timothy you have to continue is because Paul's about to tell Timothy something else. The next verse in your outline, Paul tells Timothy literally on the next page, the time of my departure has come. Paul realizes that as he writes this letter to Timothy, and probably even before Timothy gets the letter, Paul will be executed in a Roman prison. And so Paul is encouraging Timothy because he knows that he won't be there for him. You know, one of the things that uh, we see in Timothy as he lived out his faith, Timothy would have been rejected by the religious establishment. We talked about that a few moments ago. 
His, his mom apparently had married, obviously, a, a Greek, so a non-Jewish guy. And so she would have been rejected by the Jewish establishment. If you ever read the Old Testament, what it says about Jewish girls and, and Gentile guys, you know. But at a certain point, she comes to be a believer in Jesus, and it says that she has a sincere faith. And so Timothy got to see his mom in the good times and the bad times, having a faith that didn't waver. It, it, she was able to go through the, the trials, the stuff of life. And what I, what I also love about the Bible is that Jesus would say every word is there by design. So it's interesting to me that as Timothy sees his mom go through good times, bad times, and it has an effect on his life, it's interesting that his mom's name is Eunice. Eunice just happens to mean there on your outline, and every Bible dictionary picks this up. It means happily conquering, conquering well, or good victory. Whatever sincere faith she had was picked up in Timothy as she lived out conquering well, going through the good times, the bad times. I realize that if Jesus doesn't come back, and I believe he's coming back very soon, but if Jesus does not come back, I realize that there's going to be a day when I'm not going to be there. My hope and prayer for my children is that whatever faith is imparted to them is going to be a faith that carries them through the trials of life, the good times and the difficult times. And what I've learned through the years and as a dad is that the way that we impart that faith that doesn't waver in the good times or the bad times is that when we go through those times of difficulty, they see us, I like to say, clinging to Jesus. Uh, They see us remaining steadfast in our faith. And as they see us with that sincere faith, it's caught, it's catching. Does that make sense? So that's part of the legacy that's left for Timothy. And that's something we want to leave for our children and certainly for our church. Part of the legacy that was passed on in Timothy, I want to pass on to my children, is is just simply a forgiving heart. You want to write that down. Now this is the one that's difficult to talk about. You and I live in a time where even as Christians, when somebody hurts us, somebody offends us, we immediately want to expose it to everybody that we can. We put it on Facebook, we put it on Twitter, we call Jerry Springer, you know, whatever we can do. We want to get it out there. We want people to know that we were offended and we were hurt. Now, please understand, there are some things that happen to us that need to be exposed because we have to protect the next person. I'm not talking about those things. I'm just talking about the stuff where we get offended, we get hurt. And what we learn in life is that the only way that we can teach our children about being forgiving is if we are hurt and we are hurt deeply and we walk through that with a spirit of forgiveness and they look on in our lives and they say, that's what it means to walk and forgiveness. And, and the truth is when you've been hurt and I've been hurt, we've all been hurt, we have the ammunition. We can fire it right back. There's been a few times where I've said, if I just said one thing, uh, you know, I, I could shut this whole thing down. 
But when your kids see you walk through that time where you've been hurt and they know you've been hurt and they see you forgive, it passes on that spirit of forgiveness. Forgiveness is so important. Uh, it, It frees you more than it frees them. You've heard me say forgiveness is a decision that we make and it's a process. And I can't tell you how many times I've decided to forgive somebody. Five minutes later, I'm driving home and I'm screaming at them in my car in my mind. Not out loud, but in my mind. And we've all been there. And I have to come back. No, I've chosen to forgive. But the way that we pass that on. Tim's mom was Jewish and Jewish girls don't marry Gentile boys. And so she would be rejected from the Jewish community. And at some point, she gives her life to Jesus and she decides, I'm going to walk forward with a faith, a sincere faith. I'm going to represent the Lord in this family as best that I know how. Timothy also, because his mom was rejected and Timothy never had the surgery, he would be rejected by the Jewish community. Being rejected by the Jewish community, he has every reason to be bitter against them. And yet one of the things that we find is that there comes a point where even though he would have been rejected by them, he is going to make a decision which is going to allow even more pain to come into his life so that he can effectively minister to the people who would have rejected him. Paul, there on your outline, it says, Paul took him and circumcised Timothy because of the Jews who were in those parts. So Timothy would have grown up being rejected by this population, every reason to be bitter, but makes the decision to allow even more pain to come in his life so that he can effectively minister to those who would have rejected him. That is a heart of forgiveness. I believe that's something that he saw in the life of his mother who would have been rejected in the same way. It's something that was imparted to him. Those are some things as we wrap up this year and we think about our lives. We look back how we did in this past year. We look forward how... What do we want to do better in the coming year? How, how do we want to live this out? Who do we want to be known for? Or how do we want to be known as a church? How, how, how does all that work out? Now, there's a number of things that I didn't get to talk about today. I didn't get to talk about a spirit of grace. You know, we live in a time where people don't give a lot of grace. Uh, a generous hand towards God. We're big on that in our family. We always want to put God first. We talk about that from our earliest days. A sincere love, as Eunice had, and, and all of the other things that we could talk about that we see in the life of Timothy. When I come to the end of the year, I always stop and I evaluate. How did I do? What do I want to change as I go forward? And I look at my kids and I say, what am I passing on? And what do I want to change or improve on or stop in the coming year? Because we're all leaving a legacy. We want to make sure it's the right one. Do you agree with that? And with that, I'm going to close in prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you, God, for these amazing children who are here and and how they sang today and the joy and the fun. And, And Lord, we realize that the decisions that we make today 
we make in our lives are going to turn, are going to determine what their lives look like in the next 20 years. So Father, we as a congregation, we as individuals, we as those who belong to you, purpose to be intentional on leaving the right legacy so that we can pass on that sincere faith that they can receive even as Timothy did. I pray, God, that you keep every one of us till we meet again. You bless us this holiday season, this Christmas season. And we look forward to all that you're going to do in our lives and in our family and in the life of this congregation in the coming year. Keep us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.